Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. I'm Ethan Warren. And this is The Great Hunting Caper. In 1980, Jim Henson attended a dinner in Scotland, at which he was seated next to a British television executive. This executive, in fact, had specifically requested to be seated next to Jim because he had an idea that he desperately needed to pass along. When the man got his shot, he took it. The Muppet Show had been a worldwide sensation despite being pitched at a Western audience. Why not conceive the next Muppet project specifically for a global audience? At the time, Jim was distracted by both the Great Muppet Caper and the Dark Crystal, but the idea stuck with him. Finally, despite already having too much on his plate, he assembled a brain trust, including his longtime writing partner Jerry Jewell, as well as writer Jocelyn Stevenson, Henson Associates art director Michael Frith, and producer Duncan Kenworthy, to execute his vision. That vision? I want to do a children's television show that will stop war. Easy. So when they created this show, um, one of the things was they really wanted to have a message. Can you guess what that message might have been? No. (laughs) Um, Well, the message that they were trying to do was Jim said he wanted to create a children's show that would end war. Do you think this is a show that could end war? Um, don't really get it. Yeah. Well, he was trying to show that everything is connected and that we are all connected. And even though we may think that we disagree on some things, we actually all need each other to live and have a functioning society and a functioning planet. Do you feel like that message comes through? A little. A little, but it doesn't really jump out of you. Mm-mm. Okay, fair enough. Did you have a favorite character? Um, I liked... Um, the the guy who ran the shop. Oh, okay. Did you have a favorite Fraggle? Um, I liked Red. What do you like about Red? Um, I liked that Red was always not trying to be that serious. And you respond to that? Uh Uh-huh. Is that how you try to live your life? Mm Mm-hmm. Don't take it that seriously? Mm Mm-hmm. Good way to live. And try to be silly as much as you can. Sounds like a Jim Henson attitude to me. Uh. <laughs> Any final thoughts? Um, you should watch it. You heard it here first. The development team began spitballing on the symbiotic nature of existence. Perhaps the show could focus on three distinct species existing on three different scales. Maybe call them the Wizzles, the Woozles, and the Giant Wazzles. Jim liked what he heard. What the show is really about is people getting along with other people and understanding the delicate balances of the natural world. We will make the point that everything affects everything else and that there is a beauty and harmony of life to be appreciated. In an unusual move for him, though, Jim was initiating a project and then stepping aside to let others execute it. For the first time in Muppets history, he would play no main role in the cast. 
Eventually, someone realized the term Woozles had been used by Winnie the Pooh, and so they pivoted to a new name for the primary characters, Googlies. But that didn't feel quite right, so it was back to the drawing board. Finally, someone thought back to a Muppet species created for a long-ago Christmas special, the Great Santa Claus Switch. Frackles, the creatures had been called. With just a slight softening, the new show had its central characters, the Fraggles. And so, too, did they settle on a name, Fraggle Hill. No, that was too quaint, too provincial. What about something a little edgier? How about Fraggle Rock? Jim was so confident in the series that he put it into pre-production before the show had even been sold. Rather than casting specific Muppet performers to embody the Fraggles, he invited the core ensemble to pick up the puppets and play with them, discovering voices and personalities as they experimented. In the end, those characters became Gobo, the show's level-headed protagonist, Soulful Moki, Anxious Wembley, Brainy Boober, and Enthusiastic Red. Frith and Jewel were fans of early newspaper comic strip Pogo, and saw their squad of Fraggles as similarly focused on a single neutral main character orbited by a more exaggerated cohort. In the pilot episode, we meet the three species living inside a hole in the wall of human tinkerer Doc. Our primary species is the Fraggles, a high-spirited race of Muppets who love nothing more than to dance and play. The Fraggles bedevil the hard-working doozers, workaholic construction crews who stand only a small fraction of the Fraggles' height. Finally, the lumbering Gorgs are always after the Fraggles, who steal radishes from the Gorgs' garden. The pilot's main plot concerns Gobo Fraggles' uncle Traveling Matt who discovers the hole in Doc's wall and decides to venture into what he describes as outer space, promising to send back postcards alerting Gobo of his discoveries. Gobo is frightened of the responsibility of retrieving Matt's postcards, which requires tangling with Doc's dog Sprocket, but with a little help from the anthropomorphic trash heap Marjorie, Gobo summons the courage to continue checking the mail. In 1983, Fraggle Rock found its home at HBO, then a nascent cable channel struggling to amass a subscriber base. Even the lifelong TV nut Jim Henson didn't have cable at home. The executives at HBO had no need for a pilot. They picked the show up based on the premise in Jim's name alone. But they were so eager to see what they had invested in that they put Fraggle Rock into production as quickly as possible. The show would go from scratch to series within a year. As I always ask people who love Game of Thrones, if you love Veep, if you love any of these made-for-HBO series that are winning all the Emmy Awards and all the Writer Awards, I always ask them, what's the first made for HBO TV series, it's Fraggle Rock. Uh, if the Fraggles fail, who knows? You may not get Game of Thrones. You may not get You may not get Succession. You may not get any shows. Jim was the one who who dared to go there uh, and said, you know, trust trust me with this. This is this is a show you can get it in a rotation. You could show it in any order. There is an actually a last episode of it, but for the most part, you can show it in any order. Um, so that was the first made for HBO original series. So it makes it really important sort of in the history of television as well. While the Fraggles would be fairly standard Muppets, bringing the tiny doozers and enormous gorgs to life would require cutting-edge advances in puppetry, much of it pioneered on the Dark Crystal. The doozers demonstrated the latest and greatest in radio control, but it was the gorgs that represented the most significant advance courtesy of the Waldo, a device that looked something like a rubber oven mitt and allowed a puppeteer to operate the character's mouth remotely, leaving the performer in the suit free to use both hands. The effect was a major evolution of a puppetry technique that dated back to Big Bird 15 years earlier. Jim directed seven episodes of the first season, but soon he handed off the reins. Fraggle Rock is the first show that I personally didn't have to be involved with every day. A group split off to do that, and it's worked out very nicely. But Jim would hardly keep his handprints off the show. 
He would play two recurring characters, the enigmatic minstrel Cantus and the eerily persuasive convincing John. You know, it's so funny because it, I'm starting all of my sentences the same way, but it actually really is true. Fraggle Rock is hugely important to Jim Henson. Um, <laughs> again, I say this with every project, but it really reflects Jim's worldview. It reflects Jim's artistic view. It reflects his concern for his audience, his concern for children, his concern for the planet. It is Jim's philosophy on full display in Fraggle Rock. So Fraggle Rock is Jim trying to show that we all need each other, whether we realize it or not. And the relationship between the Fraggles, the Gorgs, and the Doozers is this sort of almost symbiotic relationship that none of them seem to be aware of, but we as viewers are. We know that the Fraggles eat eat the um, eat the Doozers' buildings, that the Doozers' buildings are made with the radishes that the Gorgs grow. And the Fraggles are trying to steal the radishes. So it's like, it's this circle of life that we see in full display on there. Now, Jim performs two really cool characters on Fraggle Rock who are different uh, sides of his personality. He's got Cantus, the mage, who says these very wise nuggets that sort of make sense, but don't always. And, you know, when I would talk to a lot of my performers, they would all laugh and say, that was Jim. He was the one who was, you know, we always had this, you know, the rule, the, the, one of the things Jim apparently really said is the rules are there are no rules, which is something Cantus actually says. And the other character we played is Convincing John, sort of two sides of the coin. Convincing John's like the snake oil salesman who can convince Fraggles through his enthusiasm uh, to do anything. And that was Jim, too. Not the snake oil part, but Jim with his enthusiasm could convince you to do anything. He could convince you, you're great. Stick your hand in this jar, <laughs> which is what Convincing John does to the Fraggles. So um, that was another aspect of Jim Henson's personality that he brought to that show. So Jim just had a great time on Fraggle Rock. And partly, too, when he was there performing, he didn't have to direct. He wasn't in charge on set. He really liked just going and just having a great time on Fraggle Rock. But again, <clears throat> another show that really shows you Jim Henson's own philosophy in action. In a syndicated review, Bob Weishart declared Fraggle Rock, quote, my kind of place. The show has Henson's stamp all over it. There are no good guys and bad guys, just a bunch of creatures trying to get along as best they can, end quote. In his review, Tom Shales assessed the appeal of Jim Henson. What makes his, quote, whimsy so engaging and so palatable to adults as well as children is the subtlety of the moralizing and the lack of stickiness or condescension, end quote. Between the first and second seasons, the show won the first ever International Emmy Award for Best Children's Show, if Fraggle Rock was conceived for a global audience, its framing device served as an ideal vehicle for export. Where some markets would simply redub the Doc and Sprocket sequences into the local language, in other countries the human character was replaced with a culturally specific actor and occupation. In Britain, the Fraggles lived adjacent to a lighthouse inhabited by the unnamed Captain, while in France, Doc was a baker accompanied by his dog Croquette. This vague seed of an idea, a globally popular children's program, had grown into an international phenomenon, one broadcast in 90 countries. Most remarkable of all, Fraggle Rock became the first Western series ever shown in the Soviet Union. What began as a trial engagement received such an overwhelming response from viewers that precedent was shattered and Jim Henson's creations were welcomed to the USSR, where not only Fraggle Rock but The Muppet Show was aired to the delight of Soviets young and old. When journaling about the experience, Jim was typically understated. It's a very nice project. Yeah, Fraggle Rock is another one that I used to watch on TV a lot as a kid. Again, fun because it's it's got the same 
I think when I was first watching The Dark Crystal, I thought it was going to be like Fraggle Rock because they have similar sort of outwardly similar vibes in terms of like the the mountains and the um, sort of dark, uh, not quite, not quite uh, the country, but not, uh, not clearly not the city sort of weird setting. And that's not what Dark Crystal is at all. It's like, it's like, it's so scary. But Fraggle Rock is just these like fun little guys. It's almost like the little, the little worm in Labyrinth. Like if you went into his world, and then everyone sings songs all the time. Like that's, that's, that's Fraggle Rock. And everyone is so like happy. I particularly love these puppets because they're, um, they're so small and cute in a way that like really spoke to me as a small child. Um, like literally I was a small child that was smaller than everybody. And so a, a whole show that was just these tiny little people trying to, trying to do right by their little community, I always found really, really fun uh i thought it was funny i particularly loved the traveling mat sections which were always this no matter what the story of the episode was i love that there were these like built-in like comedic sketches um that were out in the world i really liked that it was sort of you know it was uh it felt like it landed halfway between sesame street and the Muppet Show, and in some ways also folded in his urge to world build that that he was looking at through Dark Crystal. It felt like if Dark Crystal was fully alienating to me, Fraggle Rock felt like we're meeting you halfway. Like this is like a, a light version of that sort of Dark Crystal world building, but it's not truly terrifying. And we have some characters here who are funny. We have some who are just kind, but are never really funny. Um... And I thought it was perfectly executed. I mean, it's it's in some ways, um, you know, it's more interested in message than in making you laugh. Uh, it's more interested in telling a sort of story. So there was a point where I could feel myself a little bit outgrowing it. Like maybe this isn't like by the time Fraggle Rock was happening, it probably was a little young for my taste in terms of like, that didn't affect me liking it less, but sort of an awareness of like, oh, this isn't targeted at me. Like I'm not the audience for this. I was really appreciating the craft of it and it, and seeing how, you know, all the things they learned how to do on Sesame Street and The Muppet Show, by the time you get to Fraggle Rock, um, you, you can't see the, you can't see the technique anymore. You can't see them. They figured out everything about how to do the, how to manipulate these kind of characters in a scene and you have big puppets and you have tiny puppets and you have regular sized puppets and they're all seamlessly uh, joined together in this world. I'd say also the thing about Fraggle Rock is by the time I was at that age, um, I probably as a viewer had a little bit less patience for it's like watching them about a show. Now, sometimes a musical number will start and I'll realize within the first 30 seconds, like, Oh, there's not a lot for me, and that like I can appreciate it, but it's not. Uh, the temptation to skip ahead is there, and I think Fraggle Rock had a little bit of that, and that they'd start singing a song, and I'd get the point of the song pretty quickly, and you know, but you can't skip ahead. You're watching cable TV, usually at a friend's house. Yeah, I liked it. 
I'm sure there's episodes of it that I, many episodes of it probably that I haven't seen because by that point I was having to like, uh, if I was seeing it, it was because I was somewhere else where they had HBO. Um, and it wasn't something that by the time you could buy all the episodes, I, I, I never had the impulse to go back and get them. I feel like I've seen it. I know what it is, et cetera. It's another one that's like Muppet. It's like um, Sesame Street in that because it was about a community, they would deal with um, subjects that helped you learn about being a productive member of a community. So there would be, you know, lessons, but they weren't over the, they wouldn't, they wouldn't knock you over the head with the lessons, but you definitely got some like moral and ethical education without realizing it a lot of the times, um, which, which I think is why I like kids television because a good kids television, because you can really help shape how, what a person will become. And I like ones that do it in a way that you don't realize that's what it's doing until after the fact. It's also because it was the eighties. It was, it, it tied in with those, um, like Captain Planet, that whole cold war, the nuclear bombs are going to come and like ruin everything. We're killing the ozone sort of plots would come into it every once in a while. And, and so, you know, as a millennial, you're like, ah, the planet is dying. Um, and we, you'd watch a show like this and you'd think, oh, well, maybe we can do something to fix it. And then we learn, you learn as you get older that like that, that didn't happen. Um, <laughs> they didn't fix anything. My first experience of Fraggle Rock was my mom having um, a bunch of Muppet songs on tape in the car. And uh, one of them was the Fraggle Rock theme. And I thought it was very annoying. Um, as a kid, I was just very apprehensive. There was a time in my life where I was very apprehensive to a lot of like children's thingies. And the reason that Fraggle Rock felt like a stretch for me and probably feels like a stretch for a lot of people was because I didn't watch Fraggle Rock as a kid. Um, I watched it a little bit later for different reasons. And uh, so I was like, mom, why are you trying to force Fraggle Rock on this family? We're, we're a Muppet family after we're a Sesame Street family. Why are you trying to force this on us? Um, but the show does have a weird pop culture reputation. Um, it's a bit of the of the orphan of the bunch. Not to say that there's not other, you know, Jim Henson productions that are a little forgotten by time, but um, locked behind HBO after Sesame Street had, uh, you know, was on PBS for everyone to access and, and the Muppets was also, you know, pretty accessible. Um, and there were, you know, big, big movie, Muppet movies out in theaters that people wanted to go see uh, that kept up a pretty solid footprint until the early 2000s or so and then had to come back. Um, but the real thing is there were no, there's no like real breakout characters for pop culture the way there is for Sesame Street and for the Muppets, right? Um, all the main cast kind of just looks like visual riffs on the same type of people. Um and some of the names, before you find out the production and jokes, a lot of the names are are kind of like overly cute. Um, I uh, like in in the, the the Muppets and Sesame Street, like all the names are very distinct. It's very easy. Like you hear a name, it immediately clicks in your head because of the iconographic quality of it. Um, but a lot of these guys share a similar design philosophy. And after watching a few dozen episodes over the past couple of weeks and, and really loving Fraggle Rock, I still can't tell you the names of half the cast. Massive cast of characters, right? Um, it's also not a merch juggernaut, you know? 
Um, I've never seen a trash heap in a kid's crib uh, the way I have with a Kermit or whatever. Um, but it's the thing that when you watch it, like you get past actually the first level, which is like <laughs> almost a joke at this point, the onion shirt. Like I understand the Muppets at the deeper level than you, but you get past the first level, which is like, it's just a bunch of cute Muppets. They kind of look like extras in the Muppets, you know, cause they all kind of have a similar aesthetic is that all the characters are weirdly developed. They all have complex interrelationships. There's stories about solving their interrelationships. Um, there's uh, at least four different groups of interlocking um, civilizations, maybe three plus interlocking civilizations that all contend with one another to some degree. They all kind of find each other annoying and then at some points temporarily useful. But we as the audience learn that we need that they need each other. All these characters have, there's an episode uh, where two characters that hate each other are locked in a cave and you genuinely think they're going to die for a moment. Um, if you're me and forget sometimes that a children's show is not going to kill two Muppets. Um, you genuinely think they're going to die for a moment. There's a touching moment between two characters. And the only reason it works is it snuck up on you. The show sneaks up on you. You were like, how... How did I not even realize that I was being told about who these two characters with goofy voices and neon colored fuzzy hair, these characters have learned each other's kind of inner workings and don't find it particularly appealing. Um, and now they kind of understand each other and the show carries forward from there. But watching this over the years, a little bit in college, a little bit in, in, in early adulthood and, and a lot now in the past couple of weeks. What, what's clicked with me is that this is not necessarily, <laughs> it's a kid's show that feels like it's not necessarily for kids. Um, we've, we've, I've complained a lot about how there's not a lot of shows for like 10 year olds, um, eight to 10 year olds. It feels like there's like young kitty shows. And then you're kind of forced now into the superheroes, you know, the big violent uh, conversations immediately into the action adventure stuff. Um, this is a show that feels like it's for eight, eight to 10 year olds. It's teaching kids about uh, how you're gonna have a lot of people that you work near that are gonna be pretty annoying and you're gonna have to figure out these inner interlinking uh, dynamics that you have with one another. You're gonna have to learn how to live in Fraggle Rock with each other. You're gonna have to learn um, to watch out for particular risks in your life. You're gonna have to learn that your community is gonna expect you to be useful in some capacity, whether that's for good or for ill. Um, there's a there's an episode to watch out for religious charismatic figures uh i think his name is like convincing john um and uh yeah the the well like the options that are being presented to the eight to ten year olds in the show i would say maybe plus uh feel more closely aligned with like the things that i'm still sorting out like how do you find the perfect job for you as an adult person who is repulsed by, if not every option, most of them. Um, how do you find jobs that uh, are right for you? How do you get along with people that uh, you don't particularly see as useful and then you spend some time with them and you're like, that's it, Eureka. You are as important as I am. You are more important than I am. And uh, the the way that uh, your your good intentions can actually backfire. Like these are all things that like connect with me now, but as a kid, I wanted party, party, party. And I wanted Rolf on the piano. We'll be right back after this quick break. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And I like that it's it's very like sparkly. I don't know. This is a dumb commentary, but the, all the rocks and like the universe that they created wasn't just this dark, you know, world. It was sort of sparkly in a way that rocks really are. If you ever, this really got me into like collecting rocks for a while. But if you really look at like minerals, and this is why minerals are so cool. Is you know, a lot of TV or movies will show rocks as really dull, but they're beautiful. And I think part of what I really liked about this show as a kid was how how much attention to detail they had in the rock formations and the rock colors and the geometry, not geometry, geology of it all, where you could really see that the background was inspired by what what rocks actually look like and the sparkle that will, they can be in them if you you know light it just right. And I always thought that was really cool. Today was Fraggle Rock Day. I, uh, cleaned up the house a little bit while you watched most of one episode and then I joined you and then we watched another one together. So, what do you think of Fraggle Rock? I love it. You love it. That's a pretty consistent element in these conversations about Muppet stuff, huh? Uh-huh. You just love everything we've seen so far? Uh-huh. And, I, and I'm probably going to love everything. I bet you are. So, um, what was your favorite part of Fraggle Rock? Um... I like the Gorgs. So we tried to watch this show like a while ago, and you were not into the Gorgs. I think you were freaked out, but now you're, you don't mind them? Yep. Why do you not mind them anymore? Well, I'm just older now, and they just don't seem as scary. Isn't it wonderful how that works? So then we watched an episode from season three because I wanted to see one from a little later on and one that had Jim in it as one of his two characters. So we picked Convincing John... And we watched the episode where Moki was trying to get um, inducted into the secret society of Grand Poobahs. And we were a little disappointed that there was not as much convincing on convincing John's part, right? As we were hoping for? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So did you like that episode? I liked it, especially at the end when they said, we're a funny society, not a serious one. Yeah, that was a good one. It's a good show. I like I like. Yes. Do you do you like it even though it doesn't have the familiar Muppets in it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it's also just a very silly show. So that's go to if you haven't actually seen it. It's it has that uh, message in it in certain episodes, but it really is just like silliness, and it's that's why I think the educational portion is so it works so well is you don't know you don't know you're getting it because you're you're laughing so much throughout the whole show it's it's really smart as fraggle rock rolled along jim henson found himself in an odd position for the first time since beginning the muppet show nearly a decade earlier he was not actively working on his own project this space afforded jim the opportunity to enjoy the fruits of his immense success but so too did it allow him to recognize a fact he had long avoided confronting his marriage to jane had failed The two had lived increasingly separate lives for years, at least since he had moved to England to make The Muppet Show. 
Now that he had returned to Connecticut, he had come to a realization, one he confessed quietly to Jane one day. I can't come back here. Jim had seen other women in England, an open secret that even Jane and his children were aware of. Now, by moving alone to New York City, he hoped he could live his life freely. The two legally separated, though they would never divorce. Jim was free to do as he pleased, and in the bargain, Jane lost her line of access to the company she had co-founded almost three decades earlier. Fraggle Rock would last 96 episodes, and when the creative team decided to write a wrap-up arc, Jim was resistant. A defined endpoint would limit the show's ability to cycle endlessly in reruns, he reasoned. But when he glimpsed the final few episodes, in which Doc and the Fraggles meet and become allies only for Doc to move away, leaving the Fraggles despondent until they discover a tunnel to Doc's new home, Jim reversed course, declaring the story. Beautiful. Nobody wants to talk about Fraggle Rock. That's so interesting. I was going to say, that's the one thing I probably don't have much to say about. I loved it as a kid. I think it doesn't have the rewatch value as an adult that something like The Muppets Hmm. Show, The Muppets Show. Uh, does. Um, I don't know. People watched it. They left it behind. Do you think that has... I mean, I remember watching it as a, as a youngster and, like, kind of taking it for granted, which is which is crazy to me now. But, like, just knowing that Fraggle Rock existed, knowing what it was, but not knowing too much about it. In that, like, very childlike sense of, like, you know these things exist. You know you've seen them. You have no memory of them. They're just in your Rolodex of memories. But it, it is... It is an in-universe thing, much like the Dark Crystal, unlike the Muppets that are like an attempt to reorganize our universe sometimes. Is that why we don't return to it, you think? It's, I mean, it's a kid's show. Maybe that's what it is. At the end of Mm -hmm. the day, a lot of what he made was not intentionally, was not for kids. And this was, you know, it, it, you're not going to grab the box set of Fraggle Rock and and binge through it. Um, Right for one reason or another. There's a lot to watch. I don't. I feel like you could use the songs of Fraggle Rock and Fraggle Rock's treatments of songs more generally to theorize the placement of music throughout all these other things, from David Bowie to Rainbow Connection. Yeah, Henson did always express himself and his vision through song. Um, and whether it's it's his songs or, or other people's, you know, the mm-hmm. lip syncing, the, uh, it's it was always music was so tied to it and I think Fraggle Rock is, is the ultimate expression of that where music was I mean the Fraggles are defined by their desire to dance and not do anything else yeah and so they got to have good music to dance to and and they really figured it out it's just a fun show and the songs are always really like bops but bops that you uh, like feel like real songs not like um was it barney where everything the songs in barney i'm just like why are this isn't good whereas fraggle rock i was like you know what this could this is this could be a whole record i would i would listen to this in a syndicated column mark shulgold mourned the show quote for as long as my kids can remember fraggle rock has served as a welcome invitation to enter the magical world of jim henson so how am i going to tell them it's over Say it ain't so, Jim, end quote. But it was. Addressing the crew as the series wrapped, Jim didn't try to disguise his pride. This whole project has been a joy from the beginning. It's fun when you start off trying to do something that makes a positive statement that brings out the best in a lot of people. Fraggle Rock is something that's going to stay around and something that all of us are going to be proud of for a long time, and that's really nice. I do think it's interesting that like the experience does like sneak up on you. Like uh, a silly little treasure hunt episode, a pretty basic sitcom kind of setup or children's television setup. Like 
there's a fraggle rock treasure that we gotta find um is leads to this like touching moment of connection where there's actually like the, the treasure is a cultural artifact that makes these two characters realize that they are like closely linked in ways they didn't know um the cave in episode i talked about uh two diametric opposites become closely drawn together um because they have a commonality of personhood almost a fraggle fragglehood or um humanity um in these serious situations one of them asks the other one what do you think it's like to die uh, at one point which i don't know man i feel like if you did that with kermit it would feel like a like an edgy early youtube parody um but instead we live in a universe where uh fraggle rock got to have an episode where people are trying to rescue some fraggles from a cave-in and you genuinely take it seriously someone tries to do some good for another group um basically encouraging everyone to not eat this these sugar connects pieces that fill the the cave um everyone stops doing it um and uh they all realize like oh actually that was just kind of fucked up it seemed like a nice thing to do at the time but the our good intentions let us down the the wrong route wrong road um and uh there's episodes that are about how like basically characters will be like why would you want anything to be better than it is now there's episodes that are about why would you ever want to uh want more than what you have um and it go and it has a nuanced little button on these episodes where sometimes it leaves you with this feeling of it's not a neat little a not neat little answer but this nuanced little button where Jim Henson wants you to spend at least a few seconds before the commercials kick in and say you know I don't totally know why I feel this way all the time or why parents are always talking about this all the time um but I like to see my, I like to see myself reflected. I like to see those feelings reflected, and I like to be uh, be told a, a lesson a little bit more complex than we should all be buds. Um, that is very important. On the next episode of the Great Henson Caper, Jim is not starting over. He's just going on. Come on, every morning, every day.